From the 915 to H-Town, from the Panhandle Plains to the Valley, and everywhere in between, this is the 5050 Podcast, presented by Physical Athletics. Join me, Hector Cano, as we cover the Texas high school club and college soccer landscape, as well as an inside look at the college soccer recruiting scene. The 5050 Podcast is a platform about the people and for the people who are dedicated to the beautiful game. Here we go. It's another special edition of the 5050 podcast presented by Physical Athletics. Our proud partner is Physical Athletics. For those of you in the Borderland region here in El Paso, you can find them at 2270 Joe Battle Boulevard. They are doing some cutting edge stuff. The uh, director of strength and conditioning there, Coach Armando Aguilar, him and his staff, they're doing some cutting edge things and applying science to your game. All right. So whether you are a middle school, high school athlete, an aspiring college athlete, a current college athlete, or maybe even an aspiring pro, they are the ones to see. You can find them uh, on all social media platforms at Physical Athletic. That's F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L, Athletic, as well as on their website at physicalathletics.com. So here we are. We've made it. Uh, the, uh, the big tournament, the grand mm-hmm. tournament is over. Uh, just wrapped up. Uh, we just finished watching the, uh, the San Antonio Lee Volunteers win their first state title in over 50 years. I, I believe that's in any sport. Uh, so congratulations to them. We'll dive into that a little bit more. Uh, but it's been a great, great two days, uh, great two days there in, uh, in Georgetown. And I'm glad to be, uh, to be joined by our, one of our high school soccer experts from uh, our collaboration with the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. Uh, Coach Rafa, Rafa, how are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm juiced, man. I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> I am too. <laughs> can't believe uh, the the high school season has come to a close. Um, you know, and usually I end it with this, but I think I'll start it with this this time. Is that I'm just uh, I'm elated that we made it here, um, and that we were able to crown champions this year. Unlike, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, unlike last year, where I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was either yesterday or today. It was March, yesterday. Yeah, marked the one-year anniversary of where everything was essentially shut down. Uh, so yeah, so uh, so yeah, so we're uh, just glad that we're here. For the most part, we were um, we were largely, as a whole, as a uh, high school soccer community here in Texas, largely, not entirely, obviously, but largely, uh, the uh, impact was, I'd like to say, minimal. But uh, obviously, there were some. Uh, People were impacted by the uh, the pandemic, and some people. Let's not lose sight of the fact that some people did lose family, friends, loved ones. So, um, but despite all of that, I'm glad the game. This is what makes the game great. It was it's able to bring people together, able to crown. Uh, we brought uh, what was my my run on numbers breakdown that I had in a tweet yesterday. Twelve teams, six games, right? Three classifications, crowning three, you know, and crowning three champions in. Uh, in three different classifications. So uh, glad we got that done. Uh, so uh, what were your uh, what were your initial thoughts when you look over uh, before we go into looking each day at each day, coach? What, what were kind of your just initial thoughts that we made it here and that it is now complete? The 20, 2021 season has come to an end. Uh, I was I was very kind of nervous going into the season if we were going to even get to this point because I had seen 
you know, high school football teams in the in the playoffs in the fall, you know, forfeit games and even some basketball teams. And I was hoping, you know, hopefully this doesn't happen to our soccer teams, you know, you know, you know, getting COVID and you have to forfeit a, you know, a by district game or area game. And, um, and you, I got, you know, kudos to all the teams out there, you know, you know, we came out without a hitch, you know, we, we played all the games, you know, for the playoffs and, you know, congrats to all, all the six state champions. I'm, I'm sure they're relieved now after sitting out a year uh, and all the coaches and then, Hey, 20 now tomorrow, uh, starting Monday, 2022 starts, start preparing for see who, who could, who could repeat or we'll have maybe some new chance, new contenders. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I think that's why I'm so juiced. It's like, a, it's like, I'm, you know, the one season ends and then you kind of get that, like, Hey, you're glad if there was ever a year where you're glad we made it here, it was this year. And, but you're also kind of juiced for like, you you see these state champions crowned and you're happy for them. You feel joy for them. You're grateful for them. Your heart goes out to the, uh, you know, the state runner up as well, uh, who they all, excuse me, just to make it here is obviously is incredible. But uh, different storylines across all these games, which we'll get to in a minute. But, yeah, I think that as you see these state champions being crowned, you're also you start to you start to kind of get that bug like, man, I want to I want to be back out there. I want to be back out there with my team. Right. So um, so you kind of get that energy. And then now you you got to start playing for offseason training. So. Uh, so, yeah. And, and more to come on that, because one of the some of the DMs that I've been getting, I've been getting a lot of DMs on uh Hey, where are you going next? Where are you going to be coaching next? So uh, some uh, some possible news on that, but uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more a little later. So, all right, Coach. Uh, so what we're going to go ahead and do, we're going to go ahead. We're going to look at both days. We'll look at day one yesterday. Uh, we'll look at the girls' side of the house, which uh, consisted of our uh, 4A, 5A, and 6A matchup, which took place at 10 a.m., 2 p.m., and 6 p.m. Central Time. They're in uh, they're at Birkelbach there in Georgetown. So um, our first match, uh, we look at it, the 4A girls final, uh, Midlothian Heritage, and then a team that was really making history there in uh, Corpus Christi, Cal Allen. First, uh, first Coastal Bend, first Corpus uh, team to be the Corpus school to be there ever. Uh, pretty amazing stuff. Um, what were your uh, what were your thoughts? What were your impressions on that match? I think mean, well going into that game, I was like I knew Cal Allen had a tall task going against a very good heritage team um, that's been you know the school hasn't really you know, been open for too long. That's been but they've been dominating. Like I said, you know, becoming one of those four A powerhouses for soccer. I mean, for the girls and also for some also for the boys too. But you know, any you know you have to play the games. Anything can happen, but. I, th- I think, like, like I said, I think Midlothian was going as one of the favorites coming in this year. And I know we had some other contenders, but, you know, they didn't miss a beat. They flexed their muscle, and like I said, they didn't leave anything in doubt. Uh, I think Cal and Kenny came in a little overmatched, uh, but they'll learn from this, and hopefully maybe, you know, they'll make another run. You know, they did beat some good teams to get to the final. You know, nothing to take away from what, what the accomplishments from Cal and, you know, so hopefully they, you know, they know what it takes to get to this point and, you know, and they'll hopefully learn from this game and hopefully they, if they do get to see Midlothian again or maybe a team that caliber, they can make those adjustments and hopefully bring a state championship back to their, you know, to back to Corpus Christi. 
Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, and that match, uh, that match ended in a uh, six uh, six zero final uh, in favor of Midlothian Heritage, and obviously, and that was uh, that was I think a a Cal Allen squad for me. That was clearly my I guess Cinderella, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. But they were um, I don't I don't know if it, it can be argued. It wasn't so much that they the moment was too big for them. It was more of nobody expected them to be in that moment. You know, so they were. You know, you, you want to talk about house money. Uh, not just glad to be there, obviously, but they were trying to make the most of their opportunity there. But they just ran into a, they ran into a buzz on Midlothian Heritage that was just clearly you could tell was you know the you know the the better the better quality squad on the day. Uh, but but kudos to Cal Allen because they they accomplished a lot a lot. And and you want to talk about something that they can build on there uh, that's pretty significant in terms of when you start talking about culture and reshaping and uh and this is usually how these powers this is usually how they're born they take you know they're steady 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 they surprise some people and then they take one big giant step right now now the question becomes is how do they follow it up next year right so uh i'm sorry go ahead coach i I think what they really need to do to take that i know when you learn from gate loss like i know for me coaching wise even in the club level you know, you learn from losses and you see what, you know, what you need to do to make those adjustments to kind of to match up, you know, to a team like that. I think during the off season, I think Callen really kind of, you know, there's some things maybe work on a little more speed, a little physicality because they were pushed around in that game and also work a little work on, on the technical work, you know, and that's just, you know, like Heritage was a complete team. And like you mentioned, they just bust saw through this and, you know, and they, it could, it, I mean, they could have put a lot more goals if they wanted to, but, you know, they just settled for the six and, and they got them that, and they got them the state title. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. And con- again, congratulations to the, uh, the Jaguars of Midlothian Heritage as they are your 4A, your 2021 4A girls state champions and to the uh, Corpus Christi Cal, uh, Cal Allen Maybe I'm drawing a blank on their mascot. What are they again? Wildcat, Wildcats. 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 Yeah. And I was thinking Bobcats. Um, they are on the, uh, being the state runner up for 2021. Uh, all right, coach. So we move over to 5A, um, a game that I was very excited for because uh, I, I knew it was going to be a battle. Um, the, the 5A girls took place at 2 p.m. yesterday. Uh, the uh, Dripping Springs Lady Tigers and Frisco Wakeland uh, Wolverines. Uh, what were your impressions? What were your thoughts on that one? Uh, this this is, was going to be a real good chess, like a chess match. I mean, you got two heavyweights going in, and, uh, you know, we, we kind of thought maybe Wakeland would, you know, because they did knock off some really good teams, you know, on the way here. You know, they knocked off, um, like I said, a really good, you know, who was the, the previous round, uh, uh, Highland Park, who was number one in the state. Um, so, you know, they were going in as a favorite, but like you, I think we talked, uh, you know, from off camera that that Dripping Springs team, the uh, that defense, as like the old saying goes, defense wins championships, and you know, Dripping Springs was able to pull off a couple real close games. So, you know, one one or the other was going to tip the scale, and like I said, Dripping Springs brought a championship to Region Four, and you know, congrats to them. You know, a beautiful goal. That second goal was a beautiful goal. You know, yeah. 
you know, that's to get that one in. And I think I think that kind of shocked Wakeland, and they just really didn't recover from that. And then, like I said, uh, Dripping Springs put that kind of like the Great Wall of China defense and didn't allow really anything in, <laughs> and and just take care, just take care of business. So, you know, you know, congratulations there to to you know Lady Tigers there, Dripping Springs. Yeah, that was a def- that was a phenomenal defense. Um, I think I remember. So we were talking about it yesterday, and obviously they were trying to make uh, the first. Her first name escapes me. The goalkeeper last name is Dill. She uh, uh, she was in there going, trying, attempting to make you know that defense and that goalkeeper attempting to make history. Right, as being the first, being the first school to ever have seven clean sheets in the uh, in the state state playoffs, and of course. That was uh that was kind of negated about well twenty minutes in when Wakeland gets mm-hmm. the first one. Uh, so, but they regrouped. They you know credit to Dripping Springs. That's you could clearly tell. You can easily say that that is not a squad that is used to playing from behind. Not this year. You know mm-hmm. that was only their that was only their fourth goal they've allowed all season. Uh, and that was their one goal uh, about a month, right? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I forgot what I told you. Was it March? March 18th. March 18th. March 18th. Yeah. March 18th versus Kerrville Tyvee was uh, one of their district uh, district foes was the last time they had allowed a goal. So um, and that's saying a lot. This is a this is a squad that plays in a district with again with uh, Bernie Champion, you know, Elmo Heights, Kerrville Tyvee. So these are I mean, this is a very tough district. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, they they go down one mil. And then they quickly they quickly respond, and I know the kind of the joke that you and I were, uh, you and I I made with you and Harry I should say was um, Dripping Springs just couldn't they didn't seem to feel like scoring simple goals right they scored these dramatic these incredible goals right the first one was a uh, was a receive and quick turn as she's falling about 19 20 yards out that goes upper you know upper 90. And then that second goal, threading the needle between uh, two defenders and a keeper, uh, that just just gets inside the uh, the left post. There, um, it was an ama- It was a great game. It was a and just watching, you know. So, Dripping Springs goes ahead two one, and then obviously you have Wakeland is now chasing the game. They're pushing. They're pushing the uh, pushing the action and Dripping Springs defense. So it was this uh, unstoppable force, immovable object, back and forth. So it was it was a great it was a great match for sure. Um, anything surprised you in that one, Coach? I, I I think that second goal really rattled Wakeland. I, I think they, they're like okay, what's time? We're 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 because they were the aggressor, and they were because like they they got the first goal. They were really pressing. They had opportunities to actually really blow up in the game. This game this game could have been two zero or even three zero at some point before. Griffin Springs got the equalizer. I think had that tip, you know, that way for them, there probably would be the state champions now. But, you know, Griffin Springs didn't, you know, get their heads down. After they go, they regrouped and got that that equalizer. And they just kept on grinding and grinding. And they finally got that, you know, because they got the second one to win the game. So, yeah, that second goal really, you know, affected them. And they just really didn't really recover from that. And like I said, they, you know, Dripping Springs, they just clamp down on that defense. You know, they're, you know, whatever you can call it, the, the Great Wall of China or the, the Legion of Boom defense, you know, something, you know, they just they just find a way not to get you to score. You know, 
you know, to so you know, props to them, props to the coaching staff. You know, excellent job. What are you guys doing? <laughs> Working on defense, great job on that. And I, I think they're a pretty young team too. I think going in, so they could we could see them again next year. So they could they could repeat again. The Great Wall of China. We got another. We got a new nickname for them. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, I don't know if you recall. I don't know if we talked about it in episode. Uh, trying to look it up here in episode um, two or three of uh, of Inside Texas High School Soccer. Talked about their defense. I think it was episode three. We talked about their uh, their uh, not just their ability to finish, but they're also their. Uh, they're um, obviously they, they can finish, but they're defensive oriented, which is always, you know, it is it always the uh, the sexiest, the flashiest thing? No, not necessarily. But the, the saying goes of defense wins championships that, that exists for a reason. Right. But one of the things that I mentioned that I really hit on what I really liked about them was you could just tell they're a they're a very mentally tough team. Right. Very mentally uh, just strong, just tough, just and gritty gritty group and uh yeah and, and you talk about their their youth uh you know their uh so uh it was uh caroline caroline dill their their goalkeeper she was named the uh goal the uh player of the player of the match uh for that for this the state final yesterday and she had i believe i can't remember it was five five saves or seven saves mm-hmm. but she had very good you know kudos to wakeland because wakeland kept coming at kept coming at them and even with that strong defense from Dripping Springs, you know, Wakeland test, still tested them, still tested their goalkeeper, Caroline Dill. And uh, she came up with some very big saves. Um, and then, but yeah, you talk about their youth, you know, the goalkeeper, she's just a sophomore. Uh, and their two, uh, two, uh, two players that scored, uh, scored goals yesterday, I believe, are either both sophomores or one's a freshman. I think one's a freshman and one's a sophomore. So that's that says a lot to to the that speaks a lot to the fact that Dripping Springs isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So um, so could it be the start of uh, I know I know their coach just wants to enjoy this one, but uh, could it be the start of possibly, a, you know, a, a run, a dynasty? Who knows? But uh, but they definitely now they have that target on their back. Right. Yeah. Oftentimes what we, we see from teams is, you know, they can often tell you it's like it's so hard to win a state title, right? It really is. Uh, but then now defending that state title or winning another one, uh, that can oftentimes or just to get back to a state title game, um, that can be very tough, very tough. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more on the boys' side in a little bit. So, uh, so any final thoughts on this one, Coach, before we move on to 6A? No, that was a great game, and, you know, congrats to – to Dripping Springs and congrats to also to the booster club, one of the best booster clubs, like one of the best in the state. Yeah. And, and also um, uh, look out for them. I, I think there could, I think there would, re, I think they have a good opportunity of repeating winning region four. I know there'll be some teams, you know, maybe Alamo Heights or Cedar park, or maybe even that Gregory Portland team may have something to say or McAllen, but Mm-hmm. Like I said, in order to be the best, you got to beat, you know, in order to be the best, you got to beat the best. And right. right now, Dripping Springs is going to go into 2022, you know, being the best team, you know, not only in the region, but in the state. Yeah. And, and make no doubt about it. You know, that that region four in 5A in girls 5A is stacked, you know, um, 
You still got a young, a very young McAllen team that went, that made a deep run. You have a uh, <clears throat> Cedar Park team that really surprised a lot of people. That's that's uh, relatively young. You have a Bernie Champion squad that's very young, very young still. So, um, so next year, you know, just getting out of that district is going to be interesting. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that Region Four as a whole is uh, is going to be very good, very good for sure. So. All right, coach. And then our, our nightcap yesterday, the uh, the one of the two, what I called were going to be kind of my dream matchups. One was this was the one on the girls' side. Unfortunately, the one on, the one on the boys' side didn't come to fruition. Uh, but this one was one of my two dream matchups that I wanted to see, uh, and it was I think just as you said uh, when we were talking offline, um, it was an absolute heavyweight battle. It really was. So in uh, Flower Mound, Louisville, Flower Mound, the uh, the uh, versus uh, Austin Austin Vandegrift, the Vipers. Uh, what was going into this game? What were your What were your thoughts, Coach? Uh, you know, this game was like I said. You know, I mean, you can't get, you can't see. You know, normally you don't see games like this in the regular season. You know, because so they're part. You know, far away. So, um, to me, at the this game was going to be who 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 has I guess the as far as just the amount of talent. Who's going to tip the scale and 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 dominate and and go after winning the state title? I mean, if you look at Flowerman, look at the team, some of the teams they beat. You know, I mean, they beat some pretty impressive teams just to get out of you know Region One, and not 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 a thing to knock on Van, on, on Van either. They beat some pretty good teams too as well. I mean, they blew out Reagan. I was at that game. I was surprised that they put six goals on Reagan. Uh, they came back and got revenge on Ron Rock, you know, who had won the district championship, you know, in their district. They came back. They were actually down 2-0. They came back and scored four straight. So, like I said, going into this game, this, you know, this is, like I said, was a heavyweight fight. And, and we got our money's worth in this game. This is a great, this is one of the best games, you know, for the girls side, girl side to see in a few years. Yeah, you know, and with Vandegrift, I think Vandegrift, they they definitely surprised some people. You know, they're coached by, uh, I don't know if it's Charisse or Charisse uh, LaChapelle, the uh, mm -hmm. former, you know, former UT uh, Longhorn uh, standout. <clears throat> she's she's now their coach. And uh, I think she, I think it's easy to say that she has them way ahead of schedule uh, because I think going in, a lot of the, a lot of the talk that I was hearing, interacting with people was that, Hey, they, they really, you know, hey, Vandegrift made it here. They were able to beat Round Rock, uh, who a lot of people really expected to maybe be here instead of them. And, uh, you know, it's like they were kind of like, hey, we really glad for them that they made it here, but that they didn't expect them to really last long with Flower Mound, who was just running through people, you know, on really on super high confidence, playing really well, especially ever since that uh, when they kind of just seemed to turn it up a notch flip a switch when uh, uh, when they beat Prosper and then ever since then. So, uh, yeah, but I think when you watch the game, especially about the first, I'd say, 15 to 20 minutes, it was very uh, – I think it got a lot of people by surprise because Vandegrift was uh, – they were the ones dictating the pace. They were the ones generally controlling possession. They were the ones that looked a little bit more settled. Um, and then Flower Mound finally, uh, finally settled. So um, – so, yeah, I mean, over the course of the game, I think it was – you could tell, Ben, you know, I, was very, I came away from this game very impressed with uh, 
with Van de Griff's ability to defend, defend 1v1 and 50-50 um, balls, um, everything. They were, they were game. They were ready to go. And they were, they were challenging Flower Mound for everything. Uh, so, you know, it was 1-1. You know, then Lewis, you know, Flower Mound takes the, uh, takes the lead 2-1. to one, And it just kind of seemed like in those last – they took the lead in those last 20 minutes. Just kind of seemed like uh, Flower Mound kind of waited them out waited them out and Vandegrift Griff just kind of finally just ran out of some steam in those last, I guess, maybe 15 or 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your, th- what were your thoughts on that? Especially when you saw that, you know, it's a tight game, it's one, one. And then we enter those last 20 minutes or so. Uh, well, you can say that flower mom really took it up a notch, you know, they hit it in another gear. And that thing, that's what's helped them win those big games against Prosper and Marcus um, they just took it, you know, when it was grind, they were grinding it out, grinding it out. They say, hey, let's take this to the next gear. Let's get this win. And and that's what they did. They totally wore out Vandegriff, which, you know, stuff to say, they, they were very physical against the other teams and they had worn those teams out. And never did I think that they would, you know, Fireman was more kind of a little of the finesse team, but they, they grinded out. They weren't, they weren't intimidated by, you know, by the speed and by the size of Vandegriff and, like I said, they took it up a notch and was able to get that second goal to get them the win. And, you know, and kudos to them. You know, that's, you know, sometimes you have to dig deep, you know, like, like the heart of a champion, you got to dig deep inside yourself to get, you know, to get what you want. And that's what, like I said, that's what Farmound did uh, yesterday. Right. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was, uh, that was a game, both, you know, that 5A and 6A game, but I mean, just that 6A game alone, excuse me was uh, uh dare i say the price of admission but that's a whole other conversation but yeah uh but yeah i think um yeah i think that was just a great game that was one of those games where you uh you would love to have been at um so yeah uh you know so again uh so congratulations 5a dripping springs they are the out of region four they are the uh, 2021 5a uh, girls state champions in frisco wakeland the state runner-up and then in 6a uh, Flower Flower Mound, out of Region One, the twenty twenty one six A girls champion, state champion, and Austin Vandegrift, the six uh, A girls state runner up. So congratulations to all participants. So after yesterday, that kind of put a bow on it. That sealed sealed the deal for the uh, for the uh, girls side of the house. The uh, girls soccer season was officially in the books, and then we got ready for today. We were ready. We were transitioning into today. And so going into uh, going into today, your thoughts this morning, Coach, as you were looking at these games, 4A, 5A, 6A, what were your initial thoughts? Well, I know for our for us, like for the roundtable, we're looking forward uh, for two of them because the two of the teams are from our region, for Region 4, which is the Bernie Greyhounds and also the Lee Volunteers. And then the game that was really anticipating because uh, my little buddy Lethal uh, out there, uh, the the Wakeland versus uh, Kingwood Park, I think that was going to be a, a grind out game, but you know, which we'll, I'll save I'll save the best for for that in a bit. But like I said, we had some intriguing matchups, some surprise teams like Diamond Hill Jarvis. No one expected them to be in the state final. You yeah, know, they, yeah. you can call them. They were they were a, a, like a Cinderella. You know, were they going to be able to, you know, pull pull up pull it off. You know, they were the first Fort Worth ISD team to make it to a state title, you know, for boys and girls soccer, you know. You know, so 
you know, congrats to them for, you know, for accomplishing that. Uh, other scenarios can Lee, you know, find redemption after, you know, losing in PKs in 2019. You know, there was a lot of, you know, storylines going into these, these three championship games. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you hit, you know, the, the interesting thing. So, you know, we look at 4A, we started again, these games were just like yesterday, uh, 10 a.m., 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. Uh, Central Time. You look at the 4A boys, we start we start there between Bernie. Um, it was kind of like going into these uh, the state semifinals earlier in the week. Bernie was the one team that everybody expected to be there on the 4A boys side. The other three were all kind of like, hey, man, how? How did how did they kind of get here, right? But everybody was really talking about, uh, you know, your boys Diamond Hill Jarvis, Fort Worth Diamond Hill Jarvis. About is like, who are these guys, right? And you know, and it's it's interesting. You talk about the parallels. You talk about the parallels between the 4A boys and the 4A girls. Where I don't think it's really it's it it is not a coincidence, and it speaks to um, it speaks to the growth of the game and where this game is headed in the state where. You have on the girls' side, 4A, Corpus Christi, Cal Allen, the first Corpus school ever, right, in a state championship match. Then you turn around, you look at the 4A boys, and you have Fort Worth, Diamond Hill Jarvis, you know, the first, just as you said, the first Fort Worth ISD squad um, ever in a state title game. So I think I think those are, yeah, not only are they great stories and they kind of make you feel warm and fuzzy inside, but it's very important to, in terms of where this game is headed. You know, what also reinforces that is, you know, we look back to yesterday again, the 5A girls, and I had, I know I had this conversation with you, is that it can speak to, it speaks a lot to, again, the growth of the game and where the game is headed when a uh, small town, you know, small hill country town uh, in Dripping Springs, it can win a 5A state title. It says, it says a lot. That's a good thing. You know, that's a good thing. Um, So, yeah, you can argue, well, they have club players here or they go here or they do this it doesn't matter it's like in the end they still have to make the commitment they still mm-hmm. have to put in the hard work day in and day out and they have to see it through right so um so i think those are those all make for incredible stories and very important to highlight right very important that they, that can't get lost on us um because it speaks well in terms of where the game is headed how how far the game has come and we'll talk about that a little bit more later but so, Coach, so here we are. We have the 4A boys, Bernie and your guys, Fort Worth, Diamond Hill, Jarvis. Uh, how did, did this game play out anything like you expected, exactly like you expected? When you look back on it, uh, the final was 3-0, uh, 3-0 Bernie. Uh, Bernie was – Or 3-1. Uh, or 3-1, sorry. Yeah, that's right, 3-1. 3-1. And uh, – yeah, I forgot they got that late one. 3-1 Three, uh, was the final, but in terms of how the game kind of played out, what were your thoughts? Uh, well, that game I kind of had a flip back and forth because I was on a I was working a, a a preview day for for my university, so so I had to watch the game on the phone. But I mean, what can what can you say about Bernie? I mean, they just flexed their muscle. I mean, what they did to Hidalgo, I mean, they did the same thing to to Diamond Hill. But even though they didn't get the amount of the goals, they just technically, tactically were just a lot better, and you can tell the difference. And you know, kudos to them. You know, their only loss this year was to this to the six A state champions. That says a lot. You know, for a program that's two played lost to a team that's two you know two classifications up. You know, so going into you know this this game, you know, there were the favorites. 
but they, they were gonna they could say hey we're, we're gonna we're gonna end this we're gonna uh make your Cinderella go back at midnight you know we're not gonna get upset and they took care of business you know they weren't gonna you know allow Jarvis to kind of dictate the game you know it was basically it was all all Bernie I think they could have scored a lot more and I think they missed some opportunities but you, you know kudos to them on, on a great season you know for what you know what they have accomplished you know and I think I think Jarvis was a little little too over their head you know I think they didn't haven't seen it a team like Bernie maybe all year and hopefully maybe out of this you know because if they'll learn maybe okay we can make these adjustments and that way we can compete if we ever get to this point but you know what, what you can say about like I said Bernie Bernie did a great excellent job and like I said congratulations to the Greyhounds on winning the Flory Boy State title. Hi, I'm Armando Aguilar, Director of Strength and Conditioning at Physical Athletics. If you want to take your game to the next level, come to Physical Athletics. Our experienced staff of strength and conditioning coaches bases all of their training programs on a proven successful philosophy and years of research and scientific data. From middle school to the professional level, come see how we apply science to your game to help you improve your performance and reduce your risk of injury. To learn more, visit Physical Athletics online at physicalathletics.com. Check them out at Facebook and Instagram at Physical Athletics and visit them today, 20 270 Joe Battle. Could you know kudos again to Bernie? Congratulations to the Greyhounds. Their uh, second state uh, title, soccer title in state history, and their first since 06. Which, ironically enough, uh, a coach that was coaching in the uh, <laughs> the 6A final was the was the coach at Bernie when they last won a state title. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But uh, yeah, I thought you know you look you look down you look back at it and. Uh, I guess those first 20, 25 minutes, it was kind of like kind of what you expected. It's like Bernie, you know, Bernie was being consistent, just like they've been all year consistent. Uh, Diamond Hill Jarvis looked like, hey, the moment was a lot for them. And of course, not just the moment, but then, of course, a very good uh, Bernie squad in front of them. <clears throat> then about, I don't know, somewhere in around those last 10 minutes or so, uh, they started to figure things out a little bit, just couldn't capitalize. Again, that's part of a team that is, you know, that's, you know, relatively young, so to speak, but also just not used to playing in that moment. I guess you could say they just, um, and Bernie's kind of one of those squads that when they give you an opportunity, you have to, right. You have to capitalize because if not, they're going to make you pay later. So kind of thought, you know, going into halftime that there was maybe some hope there for, all right, we're going to have a good, you know, we'll have a very strong second half. And then second half, it was Bernie just kind of put on the afterburners and really started to separate themselves in terms of just pace, intensity. Uh, but overall, I mean, it was kind of, I guess you could say to a certain extent, it, it uh, kind of came in phases, but the game overall mm -hmm. kind of played mm -hmm. out, played out the way I expected it, uh, generally speaking. So, um, so again, congratulations to the Bernie Greyhounds, the uh, 4A boys state champion, and to uh, Fort Worth Diamond Hill Jarvis, the uh, 4A state runner-up. So congrats to both squads. Um, then we move over to 5A coach. The one that a lot of people were anticipating thought was going to be the, the match of the day, I guess. The one that was going to be like the two really, really even dead, even squads. Uh, I didn't see that, but uh, um, a lot of, that was a lot of the talk. In, uh, so out of Region 1. Out of Region One, Frisco, Wakeland, and out of Region Three, I believe, uh, uh, Humble, Kingwood Park, K Park, 
Um, going into this one, what were what were you anticipating? I, I kind of know. I think you and I were on the same page on this one. But uh, yeah. what were your thoughts going into this? After watching Kingwood, like I said, luckily the Kingwood Park, uh, they played here in San Antonio. So I got to see them play against Valley View and, you know, very talented squad, very opportunistic. But I did see some things that, you know, if they ran into a real complete team, and what I mean a complete team that could really defend tactically, technically, technical-wise, um, and also get you on counterattacks and make you pay, you know, for, you know, just for the little things, you know, you know, this, you know, this, they had a tall, t- you know, tall task to do. Um, I did see, like I said, watching that game, you know, K Park, you know, to allow four goals on, you know, on the, on the team with against Valley View, who I didn't think really deserved to be in that, you know, in that spot. Cause I think Brazo Porter, that's a whole other discussion, but you know, that, you know, that showed me, okay, if Wakeland, if you do the play a team like that, like Wakeland, they're going to make you pay. And, and that's sure enough going into this game, uh, you can see Wakeland re- really kept, you know, st- you know, ha- you know, flex its muscle as far as, as far as the pace, you know, possession of the ball, you know, they weren't trying to force things like in the middle. And I think the one thing with Cape Park, they were forcing everything to their two key players and Wakeland caught on with that. And, and they really kind of limited, even though one of them did get a brace, but they really limited what, what they can do. And, you know, like I said, Wakeland had a good game plan going into this game, you know, going to this game. So, you know, even though, like I said, the talent-wise, both teams have great talent, I just think uh, Wakeland just had a little more of, plus Wakeland's been here for four straight years. That's that's a big, that's a big uh, boost because you've been there, you got all that experience, you know, the pre- you know, as far as the pressure of the game, even if, even if they were down a goal, I'm sure you guess they'll you know, be able to regroup and say, hey, you know, let's stay calm. We're still in this. We've been here before. We can get right. through this. So so that's that's why I, I, me going into this game, you know, a lot of people are saying Cape Park, Cape Park, Cape Park. For me, it, it was Wakeland because, like I said, they're more of a complete team and they had been there the last, you know, the last four years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And uh, message here from Hoops Mike. Uh, hey, fellas, great show. I was doing color commentary for uh, NFHS on championship weekend. Uh, really appreciated your insight into each matchup. Uh, great job on your predictions. Thanks, uh, Hoops Mike. Appreciate you. Appreciate your hard work as well over uh, over the weekend. Great stuff. Um, any, uh, any little insight that you can share with us as well, Hoops Mike? Any questions you have for us? Mm-hmm. Your takeaways to share on here as well. So, um yeah, um, you know, I think that <clears throat> I think in in the end, you know, Frisco Wakeland has they've really figured it out, especially you know on the boys' side. Um, I mean, obviously you had I mean you had both both them and their girl squad uh, competing competing today uh, this weekend for the for a state title, and uh, so they've they've really figured it out, and they've you know they're what they're a you could say. 20 minutes. I'm trying to remember that 2019 final uh, when they lost to El Paso Bel Air. Uh, they're a mere probably 15 minutes away from having a four peat, right? Winning four in a row. No. Uh, um, so, yeah, kudos to them. Uh, as So, you have, uh, again, congratulations to uh, the Frisco Wakeland boys. They are the uh, 5A boys uh, state champion and the Humble Kingwood Park 
boys, the 5A boys state runner-up. Uh, another another message here from Hoops Mike. Uh, you guys were on money. Wakeland really tough and solid. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I, I think with, yeah. Wake, with Wakeland, I guess I guess with Wakeland, I can I can see is this: if you really watch them play, what really impressed me was just their touch of the ball, you know, and then the spacing. Uh, the a lot of the the wall passes and the, and then one thing I did notice, their defenders got involved in the offense. You know they were making runs from the back and that was very key in that game, which Kingwood Park didn't do. You know it, that was really key and that was help that helped them I think get that second goal. You know to take the lead. Um, you know you know to get you know to get that you know, the second and also the third goal. There were kind of key plays for that. So. Those that's the kind of like I said, if you want to model your soccer program, they're probably one of the best ones to model after. Like I said, just great technical play, great hustle, but very one thing is a very good soccer IQ, and that's what Wakeland has as far as their program, and that's that's what helped them win this win this game. Yeah, you know, I think that. Uh... You know, the interesting thing, you know, and Frisco Wakeland, you know, coming into it, that state semifinal match earlier in the week that they played at like, I don't know, six in the morning. I forget what time they played that game versus El Paso del Valle. Uh, the uh, uh, and no, it wasn't really at six in the morning. It was just but it was early. It was early. Um, the uh, you know, they they were able to score on an, uh, that's where I knew I was like, OK, this Frisco Wakeland squad is really good on the attack and how they can build because they were able to score against a very, very stingy uh, El Paso Del Valle squad that was kind of peaking at the right time, too. And uh, I mean, it was still that was still a great match. Uh, but when I saw that, I was just like, OK, this. Yeah, I think, you know, I think I was saying to myself, Rafa's right. This is uh, kind of that Wakeland squad that we're familiar with from going back to 2018. Right. So, uh, so yeah, kudos, you know, kudos to them. Uh, great stuff. Uh, well coached. You, you talk about culture and they're just, they, they expect to be here. That's the standard every year. Um, so, and yeah, you couldn't be more, more right in terms of more schools. You know, we talk about more schools uh, kind of, model you know they're kind of the model you know more schools want to look after it's like okay who do we want to be like how right how do they go about their business you know that's the thing with frisco wakeland they tend to be they're just very just about business you know they go about their business routine and uh that's what i really like to see from them so congratulations frisco wakeland the 5a boys state champion again and uh humble kingwood park the uh, 5a boys state runner-up all right so final match of the 2021 high school soccer season game that started a couple hours ago game that ended about less than 30 minutes ago um, or less than 45 minutes ago, I should say uh, San Antonio Lee. All right. Returning to the state title game after the 2019, you know, unfortunate uh, things didn't go as planned where they fell to, uh, to flower mound uh, in a uh, state uh, state final in uh, penalties and then versus Rockwall Heath, Rockwall Heath, the squad kind of, uh, I guess you could say to a certain extent, uh, really, really good squad, really talented squad, squad that figured things out at the right time, peaking, playing really exceptionally well at the right time, a lot of confidence, well coached, but you can, but you cannot say that they were exactly on a lot of people's minds, a lot of, you know, to be the team to be here. So, uh, 
but yeah, I mean, they're, and they're fun to watch play. You know, I'm a big fan of their goalkeeper out there, and uh, Eli Finley is fun to watch. But also, you know, a big shout out for to uh, San Antonio Lee, big big supporters of the Fifty Fifty Podcast. Big shout out to uh, you know to to my buddy there, Coach Coach Boz, the Boz who uh, who's the assistant on the girls' side and also was helping and assisting on the boys' side through this state title run. She does amazing things. Uh, on the social media side as well, but we'll talk about that a little bit more later in another episode. But uh, so coming into this match, Coach, what were your thoughts? Uh, this is Lee's redemption game. You know, either, either we're, you know, this is what they've been looking for since that loss to Flower Mound. I'm sure they could, like I said last year, kind of like a little heartbreaking for them. They couldn't do it because I think they would have been in the same situation. Probably the like some of the commentators made and the, the during the game that they probably would have been at the final game, um, so they wanted to do this you know, not only for themselves but also for those seniors that didn't get to do it last year, and right. you know they were on a mission this year. They, I know they had one little hiccup, but they took care. Of, you know they they got that game back, and you know they just ran through some teams. You know you know, and I think the one the one game I think the turning point for them was that the the shootout win versus Lake Travis. I think that, you know, that haunted those shootout, the PKs haunted them. Getting that win really raised their confidence up and, Absolutely. you know, and got them to this point. So, and then, like I said, the others, you know, with Rockwall, you know, I mean, they beat some, beat some great teams that were under the radar. You know, I think they mentioned something that, you know, they had some, they had a rough patch during the season, but then they, you know, they only gave up one goal during the whole before the finals, you know, on their on their playoff run to the in the, to the state finals. So that tells you they have a really, really good stingy defense. So two different styles, you know, one's a little flashy. Technically, one was going to grind it out, try to, you know, you know, get, you know, try to, pull, you know, to pull out a close one. But, you know, this this was a, was an interesting matchup going into this game to today. Yeah. And, you know, I think that I think you hit, you know, you talked about the game a little bit, but I think I, I actually mentioned this when I was talking with uh, Coach Boswell earlier in the week about how I was thinking about this game and uh, I was thinking about this game and I was thinking about how I kind of the the San and the Spurs side of me came out and I thought to the parallels between this team this year and back in 2019 versus if you're a San Antonio Spurs fan, you have you know exactly what I'm talking about the mm -hmm. 2013 year and how it ended with them versus the Miami heat and how they came back in 2014. So a lot of parallels there in terms of the season of uh, the season of redemption. So it was uh, really, really great for them. Really great to see them see that through, uh, you know, you're talking about a state ranked nationally ranked program. Coach Rogers has built, has built an incredible machine. there. great culture. So uh, hoops, Mike, know the message here. Uh, I was doing play-by-play -play on the Lake Travis Lee matchup and can argue it was a championship caliber match. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a great, that was a great match. Uh, I think my com my commentary after that match on Twitter was uh, three words, uh, periods in between of what a game. That was a great game. Uh, very highly controversial call, obviously, in goal, which we broke down pretty ex the best <laughs> that we could from our, from our angle, our point of view. But... Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think they're still, you know, in uh, uh, Bethke from Lake Travis, he'll be back. Uh, so Lake Travis will be heard from again. 
And I, I see that as a, just a big, uh, a, a continued growing, you know, good, uh, you know, central, south central Texas, whatever, Centex uh, uh, rivalry there between uh, Lee and Lake Travis going forward. So absolutely, Hoops Mike, I, I would agree. I would definitely agree. And I think the one thing, you know, it's e. I shouldn't say it's easy because it was just such a great match uh, between Lake Travis and uh, and uh, Lee. But um, I think what really, in my opinion, what I think really got Lee going, and that that yeah, they're a great squad. They don't they don't need confidence boosters per se. But I think what really got them like to find what where they started to find their groove was before that. You know, we talked about. Uh, versus Vandegrift when they were able to versus Vandy where they were able to to redeem the only you know the only blemish on their record this season and uh and it wasn't just the fact that they won it but it was also how they won it you know um they just they controlled that van that you know that Vandy side in this in the state playoff match you know end to end and uh so so I think once they that propelled them into to be ready for that Lake Travis matchup that I think almost was inevitable that everybody saw on a, saw them on a collision course. And then, yeah, absolutely. I mean, after that, it was kind of like, okay, we've, we've beat perhaps the, maybe the best squad, you know, we were one and two in the state beat perhaps the the most talented squad, I guess you could say that we're going to see this year. We also, and we beat, you know, we advanced in penalties. So we got that monkey off our back. Um, and then, uh, and then somewhere along the way, you know, in this in this championship match versus Heath, you know, we were talking about our commentary. It was like, okay, is that is that monkey completely? You know, is it going to mess with them psychologically when they, you know, they missed the penalty uh, in that first that first half versus Heath? Um, when you look back on it, how this game actually played out, Coach, you know, you looked. We talked about. I think, I th- it's arguable, but I think that goal that goal that was. Uh, negated for Heath, I think should have probably been a goal as well. I mean, I've seen far more contact be on, be uh, not called uh, in the box than what was called on that one. Uh, it's arguable, like I said, but, uh, but yeah, you could say this game could have been 2-1, 3-1. Obviously, if it's 2-1 minus the penalty, totally different game, especially in those last 20 minutes. Uh, but did, did this game kind of play out how you thought, Coach? Yeah, a bit. Um... I think Lee knew going into this game, they could not play from behind against Rockwall. Um, and knowing what Rockwall's done the last few games, you know, just grinding it out, you know, they grinded out with some really good teams. Like, uh, like I think everybody expected Allen was going to make it to the final after knocking off Eastlake. Or, you know, we even thought Eastlake would probably be, that was like our dream matchup, Eastlake versus Lee, because they're yeah. the mirror image of each other, you know. Right. But, Heath, you know, just just found a way to get in, and I don't, I didn't think they had they played their style of game in this game. I think they would have had a chance. Lee really dominated the game more. They played more to their style. I mean, they got a little too cute on some on some you know some of the attacks and some of the plays they did. You know, they, I think they needed to keep it a little you know more simple, but they did flex their muscle. You know, especially like the first. That first goal was a beautiful goal, you know, good first touch, you know, send that and blast the ball in. And they had other opportunities to go in. But, you know, the the, the shocker was of that second half that, you know, Rockwall, Rockwall was just staying back, staying back. 
they became the aggressor in the second half. And like you mentioned, the first 10 minutes, you know, Lee was on the ropes. You know, they were on the yeah. ropes. And Rocco was trying to get in. They're all, they almost got a few. And they almost got, like I said, that goal, you know, that one goal they got disallowed. That could have changed the complexion of the game. And, you know, who says that they couldn't be on penalty kicks right, you know, you know, right now or, or so forth. And, but Lee was able to get that second goal to really kind of, you know, get the pressure off. And I think that for, that really forced Rockwell to kind of open their, you know, open up the game and it opened more for Lee and they were able to kind of run out the clock, even though there were some little, mm-hmm. some little, some, some stuff that came up and especially with the red cards, which we'll talk in a bit. But um, mm-hmm. like I said, I think Lee, Lee's game plan worked out great. They played their game. That's what they needed to do because they didn't do that against Faramon in 2019 and it, and they got them the championship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you know, here's a question here from hoops, Mike, uh, still not sure what to make of Rockwell. Did it seem as chaotic and overly physical watching, uh, watching as it, as it seemed? Um, I don't, I don't know. I think it, did it have its moments of, of some chaos? Yeah. I think, uh, I think more so, especially after that first goal came, because I think what I, I think that was kind of part of their game plan, right? Is to just be, to try to out-muscle them to a certain extent uh, because they also, which you can sometimes see when you're going up against a very dominant, a very technical, you know, very good, you know, a a squad with a very uh, high level of soccer IQ. Once that first goal came, you kind of got the impression that they, uh, that's where a little bit, now they're chasing, now, now Heath is chasing the game a little bit more. So now that, I guess that controlled aggression kind of starts to get away from them a little bit. And then, you know, can, you can argue, obviously you can make the argument that the referee should have maybe booked someone a lot earlier, take control of the match a little differently. Uh, but I, I also get it in terms of being an official or having been an official, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't want to be the story and you don't want to, you don't want that to be the reason that it impacts uh, a state title game in one way or the other. So, so it can be tough, but yeah, I think, uh, then second half started just as you said, and I was really surprised uh, how Heath was able to kind of, you know, control, I guess, you know, they just winning more 50-50 balls, first to a lot more balls, and Lee was just, yeah, I think they were just kind of a little, uh, I don't know if it was flat or maybe that was just part of their response to how uh, kind of aggressive Heath had been in the first half with them. Uh, um, and then after, but during that time, Heath never really, never capitalized, never fully took advantage, never, uh, you, again, you can argue the one goal, right? The goal that was negated, uh, which I believe should have been a goal. But, uh, uh, but then after that, Lee, Lee returns back to Lee. And I think this is part of the big difference between this squad and the 20, the 2019 squad is this squad, um, whenever it would start to kind of, get chaotic for lack of better words or start getting away from them a little bit they were able to settle it down they were able to settle it down return to them keep it simple play simple all right connect their passes all right and take control because that you know and that was to me i think that was one of the biggest difference because you already know how smart they are you already know how talented they are how technical they are um and and they responded you know they responded you know you have Halftime, second half, Heath puts in Eli Finley. They're in goal, and they capitalize on a set piece on a great, great header, great finish. Um, they responded well, and that's the that's the difference with the squad. 
um, with Lee is if you, when that little window of opportunity opens up and you don't take advantage of it, because Lee's going to come back. Lee's going to capitalize. Lee makes you pay for it. Um, and that's that's why they're state champions. Yeah, the, if you know, I did notice like a lot of the passing on Rockwell side, some just lazy passes would get intercepted by Lee, and boom, the, they're turning into counterattacks. And I think once they kind of weathered the storm a bit, uh, Lee started to go kind of flexing their muscle a little bit more. They were getting more opportunities. Like I said, they got that second goal. They missed out on a couple other ones with some little breakaways. You know, this could have turned out to a four, like a 4 nothing game as well, a 4-1. Um, and really, you know, Rockwell just really didn't recover from that. Um, offensively, they just didn't really have any, like a to, someone to, to go to. You know, it was kind of come by, by committee, but that committee wasn't really consistent. Uh, you know, you know, I know they had one good shot. I think Joey had a really good save. But but like I said, I think, you know, hopefully maybe like I said for next year, they learn from this, you know, you know, maybe having like and having that that one start, not star player, but up front, but someone that can finish. I think that's what I think that's where they were lacking. They didn't have someone that could really finish the balls with it, you know, during those crunch times or try to get back into the game and so forth. So I think that was a missing ingredient for Wakwa for this game. But like I said, Lee, like I said, kudos to them as far as, you know, weathering that storm and then finally kind of wearing them out and getting, you know, and taking advantage because they basically kind of, you know, not let go of the ball too much towards, you know, towards the end, you know, end of the game. Yeah, and you had uh, first name ex- uh, escapes me right now, but Boland was the uh, the uh, the, ma- the uh, player of the match there for San Antonio Lee, and um, had the <clears throat> had the first goal off the assist, I believe from so was it Sanchez? I think it was. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, kudos, you know, kudos to them. But also, uh, you know, I think you come you come away from that match, and I think you can make the argument that uh, Joey Batroni from uh, from Lee Lee's goalkeeper incredible match incredible match uh um made some big time saves i know on one that one set piece that was right outside the 18 if he you know if he doesn't punch that if he doesn't clear that out there's no telling where that ball is going uh, going to land uh because it looked like it was headed for the back of the back of the net um so he he was just he was tremendous he was tremendous and uh just just really love watching that san antonio lee squad play um them and you know them and Frisco Wakeland, they just you see them and there's just there's certain things that's embedded in in them as a culture as a system. They know who they are, and they play to that. You know they play to that. So um, so yeah, that's uh, mm-hmm. that's very special, very special, very fun to watch. So uh, so again, that's uh, your six A boys. Uh, the final ends up being two uh, two nil San Antonio League over Rockwall Heath, and uh, San Antonio Lee is your. Uh, 6A boys state champions. They win their first state title uh, in over 50 years. And Rockwall Heath, your state runner-up, who Rockwall Heath, you can also argue, is um, not sure where they are exactly in terms of personnel, how many they're, how many seniors are graduating, who they're returning. But uh, um, I know they. Uh, you can argue that they are definitely ahead of schedule. So, uh, so congratulations to to them as well. So. Uh, any final thoughts on that on that game, Coach? The uh, the six A final that we saw just a little while ago. Just kind of towards the end, it kind of got a little chippy. I mean, it did get a little ugly. I think some some people did lose some 
lose their head in the game. I think Joey, especially with Joey, I know he got hit in one one of the plays and he retaliated back. I I think you know, you know, you got to learn you can't do that in the game, especially even if you know maybe you still have control of the game, but you know to go down a man, you know to and get that red card. You know you put your team on the grind, and all of a sudden let's say they tie it up. And then you end up losing in in an overtime or in, in PKs. You know, you know you can't take things for granted. You you know you have the you know once you have a game in control, there's no reason to lose your head. I know some some of the Rockwell players also lost their. They got a couple you know yellow cards. I think one of them did get a red card. So you know it did kind of end not not to say an ugly, but just you know not you know not very smart as far as you know, trying to finish games, you know, and when you have, you know, have a lead and so forth, but, you know, kudos to the get backup keeper made a good save. And I think they put the third keeper into the towards the end and he made a good save too. So I guess I get one thing you can say about Lee, they're, they're a goalkeeping factory there. So, um, right. so like I said, but you can't, like I said, I think one lesson learned next all, hopefully maybe I think the younger players, you know, you're the juniors and your software freshman players, you know, you cannot lose your head during, during a, especially in the state championship game. You know, you can't put yourself in a disadvantage, regardless if you're winning or not. I think things can change. You know, sometimes you do need a, a little luck to win the state championship as well. So hopefully they'll learn from that. And, but like I said, congratulations to Leah. They're bringing back uh, the championship here to San Antonio. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, perfectly said. I mean, well said in terms of composure, character. And I know Joey, I think uh, he's. He knows he's better than that. His coaches know that. The program knows that. He know that's not a, a reflection of the the person, the player he actually is. So, uh, hoops Mike here with uh, poor Joey got the red card, followed by uh, but was a a go performance until then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, uh, exactly, um, exactly. So, um, yeah. So I think that you know, interesting thing here that I was noticing is. Uh, so you have it was a uh, it was a a uh, region one DFW uh, slash two you know they take two of the three and the other one goes to you know to to central you know to central Texas to the Centex on the girls side you have Midlothian Heritage and Flower Mound uh, out of DFW and then Dripping Springs <clears throat> excuse me Drip wins it on the girls side so and then on the boys side you kind of had the opposite you had the south slash syntax here san antonio uh they went two out of three with only dfw winning one uh on the girls side so bernie and san antonio lee winning on the boys side today and frisco wakeland uh winning the 5a on the boys on the boys side today so what do you think about when you look at those kind of you look at that is there anything there any, you know, trends, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Is there anything there or not really? Actually, if you notice, there was only one Houston area team that made it to a final and that was Kingwood Park. Right. The rest were just, were region, were DFW versus region four matchups. No, that, that was the only representative from the Houston area. So that shows that may are, especially where we're at, well, for where I'm at, region four is, was, has caught up and you know because normally it's been dominated by region one for the Dallas, the metroplex teams winning state championships but regions force finally catching up 
And like I said, things are probably going to get better for Region Four. I think I think uh, Region Threes took a step back. I know back in the day they had some really good powerhouses like uh, you had like Branham, you had um, uh, like Klein, um, your Friendswoods, your your Kingwoods. You know they were the dominant teams. The Houston's you would see them in the state title games, but slowly but surely, uh, Region Four has overtaken Region Three. And then they're also now they're closing the gap on, on region one and, and part of region two, too, as well, that Metroplex area. So that's what I, you know, for this whole weekend, you can see, and that's only, like I said, so that's, and that's a good thing we want. You want to want a good balance, you know, good, even matchups going into the, you know, the, you know, the mm-hmm. state semifinals or the final four, especially the final game. Yeah. And, you know, what are, you know what do you uh, what are your what are your thoughts on why that is? Because I think that's that's what I kind of see. It's clear that region, you know, not only is it region four, but even I think the other part too is just these these non traditionals, right? Uh, you know, Corpus, you know, Cal Allen, first out of Corpus. Uh, you know, I talked about it earlier. Diamond Hill Jarvis, first out of uh, first ever out of Fort Worth ISD. Yeah, they're DFW, they're region, you know, they're uh, region one, but <clears throat> excuse me but they had never been there before. And then you have, you know, and then on the girls' side in 5A, um, you have dripping, you know, you have, you have a, a hill country school winning a 5A state title. Um, what are, what is, so it's obvious that there's a certain trend there. You can argue region four has caught up. Region three has maybe taken a step back, but what do you think are the reasons why we're seeing some of that with region four versus region three? And maybe even some of these these non traditionals that are taking these big steps forward, um, and then even Dripping Springs, who Dripping Springs been knocking on the door for a while, obviously, uh, and they finally you know they're able to finally get it done because uh, I know they for them they probably think this is way overdue. Uh, so what what do you think is the reason for some of these things that we're seeing? Uh, so because we can identify them maybe as a trend, but I guess the question is is how or why. I think the big why is, is there some of these teams, like I said, you can say like here in Region 4, like Dripping Springs, uh, I guess the offseason, the more, more of them are playing a more competitive, you know, club soccer. I think that's been a benefit. You know, look at Dripping Springs, you know, they're a one-town school. I think that's helped them because they're not losing talent to maybe a district that has 10 to 15, 10 to 20 schools in a district or or within an area um, minus Wakeland, well, Wakeland's in a twelve in a twelve district, twelve school district. So you know that's kudos to them because you know more schools you open, you're kind of also set, you're spreading out your talent. You know, right. imagine if, if Frisco had just one team, they probably went state every, maybe every year. You know, and and that's what's what I'm starting to see in a lot of the trends is that a lot of the bigger places, you know, when they open new schools. Is just pulling away, you know, more talents and spreading them out. But when you get to some of these, like like schools like Dripping Springs or like Bernie, I mean, look like at Bernie is a two is just two schools, but still you still have a good core group of players that you can still build upon. You know, I think that's that's a little advantage as well. But a lot has to do with what you do off season, what your players are doing off season, and a lot of them are getting into more competitive. Uh, you know, playing soccer, you know, there a lot of them are playing the ECNL or say classically. And I think that's what's helping them, you know, get some of the, you know, helping lift those programs. I'm sure that's what's helped 
Corpus Christi, you know, I'm sure they have some girls that were playing club now and it's helped them get more, you know, more competitive. Same thing with the, you know, with the Diamond Hill. I think, you know, I think if they can keep on doing work in off season and playing a more competitive soccer, you know, they'll take even more of a bigger step. And I think maybe that's a model for maybe some of the other teams around the state is getting, you know, getting a good off season program, getting your players to go play competitive soccer if they have the opportunity or try to create that opportunity. So that way, you know, you really compete, you know, every season. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talked about, was there, was there any uh, one team coach when you look at it, maybe on, on the girls' side in any classification and maybe even on the boys' side? Is there any one team that you think if they end up in this match, had things gone on maybe a little bit differently for them um, and they end up here, could have really made a gigantic uh, factor in how any of these state title games played out? That's that's. As well as that? No, I was going to say, anyone yeah. stand out to you? Anyone you're just kind of like, because I know I, I have one really that jumps out mm-hmm. at me. Um, it's on the 6A boy side, uh, but I didn't want to mention it in case that's what you mentioned. So, um, well, you can m- m- mention it because uh, I'm still yeah. kind of thinking it through. Yeah, well, for me, the one I thought, the one, you know, we talked, I alluded to it earlier in terms of these, these kind of dream matchups. And the one I really wanted to see uh, that I think would have been just like, the grand stage, the way to finish, absolutely finish out the season would have been uh, San Antonio Lee versus El Paso Eastlake, just because, you know, a couple things go a little differently, you know, uh, you know, you go back to, and of course, you know, it, unfortunately, Eastlake didn't get it done and Rockwell Heath did, and that's kudos to them. Absolutely not taking anything away from them, but, you know, you have uh, Eastlake uh, playing against Allen, you know, regional final, have everything going their way. And then in the last 15 minutes, they just, you know, just Alan, things went Alan's way. Alan, Alan kept playing. They got it done. Um, but I think, you know, they figured that one out. I think maybe they match up well with a very good, very, very stingy Heath defense. Uh, but if they're here in a state title game versus San Antonio Lee, I think that would have just been, you know, an epic matchup to watch just because they're identical. Uh, mm-hmm. So then, then you're talking about who, you know, who blinks first, you know, it's, it's a big kind of big game of, uh, of chicken who's going to move first. So for me, I think that one would have been maybe ultimately, is it still advantage advantage Lee? Yeah, I think so. But still, I think in terms of styles and matchups, that would have been a tremendous matchup uh, in my opinion. I think the one out looking back is there would be the prosper girls. Had they not lost to Flowerman, would they be the ones lifting the state title? But imagine them playing uh, Vandergriff. That yeah. would also have been an epic game too. As well. I think that I mean that that really would uh, uh, just the same caliber with Flowerman. That would have been an epic game. Or even like Ron Rock had had Ron Rock beaten Vandergriff. Vander, yeah. Ron Rock versus versus Prosper or Flowerman. Those are those would have been the, probably the dynamite six A matchups going in. I think also like the Wickland girls, you know, would have been you know had they made it, would, would they have been the correct you know I mean the Wickland girls. Mm-hmm. I mean uh, the Highland Park girls, you know they have won they've won state in the past. Had they not lost, would they have been the ones been able to crack through Drooper Springs, yeah, in the final. Yeah. 
So, you know, yeah. those are some really, you know, could have been like could have been, you know, matchups that I think there still would have been great, great game, epic games too, going into this, you know, going to this weekend. Right, right. And 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 it's not a coulda, shoulda, woulda. It's just also, I think it's it's to highlight how hard it is to get here, how hard it is to mm-hmm. get to, to the state tournament, to a state final, and then to win it. Um because so many things, I think I'm pretty convinced. I tell you, it's like it's not enough to just be good. It's not enough to do everything that's expected and more. You somewhere along the way, you have to get a little lucky. You have to get a little lucky. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you look at the four A girls matchup there. You know, what if that's if things kind of play out a little bit more like how some people thought? What if that's a mid uh, Midlothian Heritage versus uh, versus Bernie matchup, the four A girls, right? That uh, that could have been a, a maybe a, a totally different, you know, totally different, not outcome, but just that's going to make for a totally different matchup, obviously. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Jesse, 0352-7676 has the following of your comment, Coach. She says, uh, Wakelin reminded me of the Brownsville-Porter squad as far as touches. That'd be a good matchup. Thoughts on that? I think that that would have been a good matchup. The one thing about Porter, they they can play defense. They have a really good defensive team, and they can touch the ball. Uh, I was just really surprised that they lost to to Valley View. You know, seeing Valley View, like I said, also in person. You know, you know, there. You know, if I was <laughs> Valley View's coach, there's some things I would fix. But you know, but but like I said, that would have been a really interesting matchup. Um, another matchup was you know we're talking about the Dripping Spring Boys. They were another. They were one of the favorites. You know how would they would have benched up, you know, versus Wakeland or, um, you know, or n- another four A team, you know, going in. I think another team that maybe I was anticipating to get the state actually for actually for the four A boys was Palestine. And yeah, we forgot about them. You know, mm-hmm. imagine them versus Bernie. I think yes. that would have been a really. I think Bernie would have really would have gone uh, run for their money for that game. Uh, you know. Uh, to Palestine to lose a PK is a, another surprise team with Salina. You know, that's that just shows you it, it does take, you know, no matter how good you are, uh, you know, no matter how, you know, what players you have, you know, sometimes you do need a little luck to get to the next to the next round. And that's and that's and that's with any tournament. You know, you need that one that one little ball to to, to go one way than the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, we saw that game. How how close? How games could go so differently? With uh, oh, his name, his name is escaping me right at the moment. But uh, um, the uh, the defender for Lee, uh, that's that state semifinal matchup. If he doesn't save that ball, that was already headed for the goal. I was almost on the verge of the goal line. Right, um, mm-hmm. that totally changes the game. That totally changes the game in that state semifinal. Um, so yeah, so they can be. Uh, very different for sure. So, uh, hoops, Mike. Uh, which uh, which lower class champions would have been able to win a higher level? Oh, we had this conversation. So, <laughs> yes, uh, Davis, Davis Kelly, hoops, Mike. Thank you. Yes, it was Davis Kelly, the defender for for Lee. Uh, incredible, incredible goal line saving clear uh, clearance. Uh, if you haven't seen that on Twitter, please go back. Uh, it was carried by uh, uh, Texan Live. 
Um, yeah, great call. Part of I think what sells that one was was the call, right? <laughs> the call commentator yeah. was like, "It's already going in," and then he has to change his uh, he has to change his call, his play by play call, right at the last second as Davis Kelly cleared it. So, um, so yeah, thank you for that one, uh, Hoops Mike. But Coach, so Hoops Mike's question here: Which lower class champions would have been able to win at a higher level? I think the Wakeland boys. I, I imagine them versus Lee. That'd be a dynamite game. And hopefully maybe for next year, they play in that, uh, that showcase, that North Texas classic showcase, Wakeland, if you're watching, get mm. in that, get in that, get in that showcase. And we'd like to see a Lee versus, versus Wakeland matchup in that, in that first game. That'd be, that'd be a great one. Yeah. Um, I think, girl's side. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, coach. Okay, go ahead. Okay. A girl's no, side, gonna... I think. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, coach. Go ahead. Now, I was going to say, I was going to one-up you on that one. Um, I was going to go back to what you said, because I know I had had this conversation also with uh, one of their coaches, is how about the Bernie boys? You know, they finished, I, think, I believe, 22-1-1 one one on the season, and their only blemish, their only loss, is to the 6A state champion uh, this, uh, in San Antonio mm -hmm. League. You talked about it earlier, and uh, and that's a San Antonio League squad that also, I think they were up, was it 1-0 at halftime, I think, in that one? Yeah, Bernie was winning that game. And then Lee kind of got serious and yeah, I talked to coach Rogers about that. He said, yeah, they had us down and we made some adjustments and we, we were able yeah. to pull that off. But he said that they got up, they, they got out of the game out of the skin of their teeth. You know, like I said, they got right. pushed. Yeah. So a four, a taking it, taking it a four, a state, eventual state champion, taking it to a six, a eventual state champion. So that's, that's saying a lot, I think right there, but go ahead, coach. You were talking about the girl side. Sorry. Yeah. The girl side, I think, uh, Melothian Heritage would be, I think they can compete in 5A. I think maybe, I think maybe next realignment, I wouldn't be surprised if they move, if they move up to 5A. Uh, they'll be one of the favorites and they're in region one 5A. Um, you know, I know they'll have some tough competition, you know, going into like, like I said, imagine them going up against what, Wakeland in a, in a regional, in a regional final or semifinal. I think that'd be a really great, great game. So I think that's one team. Um, I think Kingwood Park and I think can compete in six A. I think I think they. I mean, like I said, especially Houston being down this year, because like I said, we were surprised that Jersey Village made won the Region Three. I didn't think they were going to win the. Re, their, I thought Tompkins or maybe Cinco, yeah. um, one of the one of the KDISD teams. They've been pretty dominant, or Ailey Felsick was going to win the region three, but no one imagined Jersey village, but I think Kingwood park has, I think have a good shot at, you know, getting to, you know, being a tough, you know, one of the best teams for, for six A. Yeah. And uh, hoops, Mike uh, chimes in here talking about the uh, Fritz Fritz kid was really special. So um, yeah. Thanks for that. Hoops, Mike. Uh, yeah, this is, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at it. I look back on it and it's like, and it's almost like, uh, okay, you have your state champions, and now if you could have a, a state champion versus a state champion matchup, you know, how about that Dripping Springs defense versus the, the Flower Mound attack? You know, what would that be? Mm -hmm. like? so, so, yeah, I mean, just obviously they're what-ifs there at this point. You know, the season's over. But, uh, but yeah, I think – I mean, even Midlothian Heritage, you, you can't tell me that they wouldn't uh, – I guess for lack of better words, not only compete, but possibly even run circles around maybe easily 50% of maybe 5A schools, 
that's that's how dominant they 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 were so um so yeah you know and one on a side note one thing you know kind of a a stat here so well i have two stats um two stats that i kind of wanted to share but this one and i can't recall i'd have to check the i'd have to check the uh the record books on this one but um I can't recall the last time we had a state and of course it was probably, maybe it was different because there was actual recovery time between a state semifinal and a final, but uh, you had, uh, I can't recall the last time you made it through a full championship weekend and there wasn't a single, you know, there wasn't a single penalty. There wasn't a single match that went to penalties. Uh, so that's, you know, that's kind of, usually you see it more in the state semifinal mm -hmm. than the final. But usually in the final, there tends to be something or at least extra time, right? We didn't have yeah. any of them, right? We didn't even have mm -hmm. extra time, you know? Uh, we didn't have any extra time. And then, of course, you had just your first game. They were kind of bookended, your first match, Midlothian Heritage and, and uh, Corpus Christi Cal Allen, and your last match on the boys' side, San Antonio Lee, Rockwell Heath. Those were your only two uh, clean sheets, your only two shutouts. Everything else was there was multiple scores, multiple goals scored by both squads, uh, both teams that were competing. So, um, but uh, what's your take on that? Anything? You know, we we go back to the whole how they were able to split the uh, the state semifinal and the final, and the logistics of that. Uh, we were kind of hoping, you know, what if you would have had a, you know, a Kingwood Park or something like that, you know, or a versus uh um i think it was, was bridgeland it? versus east lake bridgeland or, versus yeah, east lake yeah. eastern bridgeland there you go yeah uh if we would end up with something like that like you know what would have happened right yeah that that i mean i, I can only imagine i think we did the logistics on it uh i think the halfway point was in san, in san angelo uh, right. so I, I i think maybe something to kind of work out um Maybe, you know, I don't think it's, I don't see a problem, you know, extending the, the, you know, the, the dates as far as the, you know, doing the tournament for, for, for soccer. I think maybe one model, one of the models I do like is the, what, what baseball does. They play on the weekends and it allows um, them to recover, you know, and I think maybe that's something for next year or the UI maybe should take a look at. Let's have every playoff game be on a Friday, Saturday. That way, it allows the players to recover because you know one one or two days, is, and especially if you play an overtime game or a shootout, it's not enough time to recover and also to prepare, you know, for your next opponent. So I think maybe that's something they should look into for next year or, with, or within two years. Is that each playoff game be on a Friday, Saturday, and then you have enough time to recover prepare and then get ready to go. And then also I think what it does, it minimizes the travel, like losing out, losing out. Like I said, we had teams, you know, going out of West Texas on a Tuesday for a game to play at 11 o'clock in the morning or at one or two, you know, you lose, you use school time for those, for those students. So I think that's maybe something that I think, they, I think UL can fix. And hopefully they'll, like I said, they'll consider having weekend, you know, playoff games instead of, one on Tuesday or like a Monday or Tuesday to give enough, give these players at least recovery time to, to help, you know, recover time for those players. Yeah. And that's, you know, for our coaches that are listening, um, that's something that you really need to at least try to make it a point of emphasis, take back to your athletic coordinators and talk to them in terms of, Hey, what was, you know, 
maybe it comes in small small pieces, but maybe the uh, hey the the separating the semifinal from the final with this amount of recovery was a great thing because it made for it made for for the most part great great state final matchups, right? Um, obviously, you got to talk got to talk about is like hey the UAL has to yes we're in a pandemic, but maybe the response wasn't the greatest in terms of you know no coaching you know no coaching passes the twenty dollars. Uh, the twenty dollars a head per game for even for a kid that's you know for a for a toddler basically, um, and you know clearing out the stadium after every single game. Are there certain protocols in place? Yes. Um, could there have been a better plan for that? Could have been. Could have that. Could that have been handled better? Absolutely. Um, so again, coaches, take that to your athletic coordinators. Talk about how the postseason, right? Can it be extended that extra an extra week, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So to accommodate these type of things, um, I think so. You know, and this is also keeping in mind, this was a season that started about what I think five days earlier than normal. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, there, there's a lot to be said. You know, and then uh, it's very important because you can have summer meetings this year. You know, the uh, you know UIL. You know, they'll have you know they'll have their council meetings, everything. You take that to your athletic coordinators, athletic coordinators meeting with your district, uh, you know, your your decks, your district executive councils, and then they take that forward. Um, make that challenge that request that uh, going forward. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing, too, is it, it's something to keep in mind because this will be here before you know it is you'll well, we're going to be staring soon. We'll be staring at uh, uh, the uh, um, realignment again. Realignment will be here before you know it. And then that will start in the uh, year 22, 23 school year. So, um, so it'll be interesting how that plays out. <laughs> you talk about Frisco Wakeland's gigantic, mm-hmm. uh, gigantic district. You can almost make that Frisco district a, a region in itself. You know, they got so many teams in there. Um, but as we look to the off season, kind of lessons learned from the playoffs, coach, uh, or this season, the playoffs look to the off season and going forward kind of lessons learned. What are, what are some of your thoughts? Certain things that maybe you'd like to see that we can do a little differently or maybe make some headway uh, for next, uh, for when the uh, season kicks off next year. Well, one thing I, I, I was really concerned about and I, and I did talk to a couple teams. I know, I know cause of the, I think the, like I said, the pandemic really played part of this, you know, there was teams playing, three gate three games in a week and that's a little risky for those for those kids as far as recovery time and so forth and I'm, I'm sure that affected quite a few teams of maybe even making the playoffs you know you know that the stress on the body you know, you know playing two games playing two games and one day is tough but you know playing three games in a week, you know, for these kids, it's, 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 you know, it, it could, you know, we're, we're risking more injuries to that. And I wish to the UL kind of looked into that and maybe, you know, if you want to, you know, kind of prevent that is, you know, space out, you know, the dish, like the one, one thing is when we go into district play, you're playing twice, twice a week, which is understandable, especially the amount of teams, you know, in your district and so forth. But when you do that, maybe, 12 consecutive weeks, including the playoffs, that's kind of where it's wear and tear on your, on a, on a player. And I think, you know, going into 
the future. I think like some mentioned, you know, having the playoffs once a week would be one. I think another thing that should be considered and no knock on, on Georgetown, but it's actually playing the final at a real soccer stadium. And we have four quality soccer stadiums here in the state of Texas. Now, if they're concerned, like I said, if they can play the state championship for football at Wally World, I mean, at Jerry's World, and they can play the basketball final at the Alamo Dome, I don't see why not we can play. We can't play the state finals at Toyota Field here in San Antonio, or or the new stadium for Austin FC, or even 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 Toyota Park in, in Frisco, or even uh, uh, the the Dynamo the Dynamo uh, Stadium in Houston. I I, I like to, I would like to see, you know, so, uh, the, a soccer at an actual soccer. I think it it'll be better for the atmosphere. Uh, just having you know. Just being close, you know, close to you know to the action and so forth, and and I'm hoping that some of these things, are, like I said, are open to this idea. You know, I know some do charge a lot in this and that, but hey, open the doors. This is for the kids. I think this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to say, hey, look, I got to, you know, look at the football players that go to state. Hey, I got to play here where the Cowboys play, where some of these kids are. Hey, I I got to play here where FC Dallas plays or San Antonio FC or or Austin FC, you know, I think that's what needs to be considered. I think going on forward, you know, for future references. And then also uh, I think, you know, maybe even, you know, starting the, I know the weather is a big thing, especially for my, my buddies up in the panhandle, you know, Mm -hmm. playing games in the snow or or canceling games because you can't drive in the snow, maybe pushing the back, you know, starting the season, like in, you know, mid, mid, you know, early February, and concluded it in May, you know, and I think I think the knock said, well, it's too hot to play. Hey, we're in Texas, you know, we're used to the heat, so you know, it's I don't think it would make a difference. So, but that 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 allow I think you know players not to lose time, you know, practice time and also travel time to, to games and so forth. So, so that's me. I mean, not I think that's what I would do to improve uh, high school soccer here in the state of Texas and. You know, like I said, uh, hope hopefully out of this, I think I can say this. This has probably been one of the most exciting years for high school soccer. I think losing out last year was just this was the anticipation, and then having the finals. You know, it brought a lot of excitement, especially like looking at the crowds. You know, there was a lot more people out there rooting for. You know, being out there, I got got to talk to. I know for us, us at the you know with the round table, and we got to see a lot of the fans and. You know, I got to talk to some like uh, some people from Laredo. You know, they saw saw me uh, live streaming a game and say, "Hey, where can we see the game?" And you know, check out well, here, check out our show, check out these podcasts. So you got a lot of information from us. So you know, kudos to like I said to your, you know to the fifty fifty podcast, and I know with us, you know, even lethal to you know pushing high school soccer. I think you know, hopefully, we'll like I say I know we're not there where the high school football's at, but I think. You know, we're bringing the excitement of this sport, and I think, it, and it also deserves the exposure, exposure that it, you know it really needs. It, you know, the exposure it needs to really get the sport you know, lifted up. Yeah, I mean that's that's perfectly well said. I think that you know, it kind of a little bit of what I was going to allude to. I guess I'll follow that up a little bit. And you hit, <clears throat> excuse me, you hit on so much of it though. Is that you know the where we where we are right now in terms of the game, um, 
and growing. And I hit on a little bit earlier. It's kind of why I asked it is, you know, again, to highlight one more time, because I know we have listeners that come in and out. But, but you know, on the girls' side, Corpus Christi, Cal Allen, first squad out of Corpus to ever make a state title game. All right. You have, you know, Fort Worth, Diamond Hill Jarvis, first squad ever out of Fort Worth, uh, Fort Worth ISD to make a state title game. All right. San Antonio Lee. Right. They've been knocking on the door. All right. Obviously, incredible squad, you know, four years in the making. They win their first state title in 50 years. Uh, Dripping Springs, a 5A on the girls side, 5A girls, you know, small hill country, you know, in a hill country town winning a state title. Um, all these things, they're incredible stories for the game. You know, we talked about in, uh, I think it was episode one, right, of Inside Texas High School Soccer. We talked about how Snyder, uh, Snyder High School, right, a program only their third year in existence, right, uh, won their, their first ever state playoff game in school history. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's – you could say, well, any new school, right? But, no, I mean, it's it's also a – it's a school in a very rural area. And when you see them having that kind of success at a 4A level, that's – again, that says about where the game is headed, where the game is going. Um, the uh, Here's a – got a message here from Hoops Mike. Uh, first year covering soccer after 18 years in broadcasting, six in Austin. Hidden gem of Texas high school sports. Uh Imagine that. So again, so Hoops Mike, first year covering soccer after 18 years in broadcasting, including six in Austin and soccer being that hidden gem of Texas high school sports. Uh, couldn't agree with you more. Hoops Mike, that's great stuff. He also follows up. Uh, loved my experience. Really fun to watch. Really fun to watch uh, live and played at a high to watch live and play at a high level. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of it, you know, you talk about where the potential, the future site is, I think. Yeah, I mean, Georgetown is obviously, it's generally central. Uh, I think I think Georgetown ISD does a tremendous thing, yeah. tremendous job in hosting it. I've been there. <clears throat> I've been there before. And uh, they do a great job. They really do. Um, would it be nice to see, could you play it in a Toyota I mean, in a Toyota field in San Antonio, absolutely. You know, for those of you that have never been to, to you know, Toyota field uh, in there in San Antonio to watch a San Antonio FC match, it's about, it's one of the most intimate settings to watch a, a soccer game that there is. It's you're right. You're right on the players. It's right, right on top of them. It's incredible. And uh, you know, and then of course, you know, you're, I think they open up in June, right? I think the, the uh, news at the Q2, Q2 stadium, I think Q2 we're all stadium. I think June sixteenth, nineteenth, or something, where Austin FC is playing, or or, or as you refer to them, I won't say what you refer to Austin FC. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's a nice, uh, a nice vegetable. <laughs> yeah, nice green vegetable. <laughs> yeah, but um, but you know, I think that you know, would that make for a great setting for UIL? You know, yeah. the UIL is based out of they're based out of uh, out of Austin. You know, why can't they go there? Or even you know, you even talk about. You know, Michael Myers Field, home of, uh, you know, they're in uh, University of Texas. That's a great, that's a great open sp spread, open, great open setup designed for soccer. Uh, of course, you have a track around it, but still it's, uh, you know, not the most ideal, but still more ideal, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so there's different, there's different venues, there's different opportunities, but these are the questions that need to get asked and they need to get asked by, by us, those of us covering the game, you know, Hoops Mike here hitting on it makes it mentions some great things, gives us great input. Uh, but 
you know, you hit on a great point, you know, San Antonio soccer round table. I know you have just there in San Antonio, you got, you got a great group, you know, extending, you know, extending it to others that are there. You know, you, you have the, uh, the, the Soysaf family out there. You have, you know, even, you know, Mr. Bowtie, what he's doing puts great content together in terms of the game and the great stories behind them. Uh, and then you have, <clears throat> excuse me, came on the scene this year, uh, along with ourselves was, uh, was, uh, Mr. Lethal, Mr. Lethal Enforcer, right? So, you know, doing, trying to grow the game and us collaborating together, that's the only way it's going to work. And, and, mm -hmm. pine up and pushing the envelope, but pushing the envelope in a positive way and just, and kind of the more we can just simply demand it all we want as fans, as a community. But if we're not willing to go to the games, if we're not really willing to go to support, if we're not willing to talk to our communities, right? Our coaches, our athletic coordinators, our superintendents, and, you know, and ask for more, ask for better, right? Tell them to be better, you know, ask, tell the UIL to just like, hey, we could probably handle what, how we're charging tickets to get into this, into our state title game a little bit better, right? Um, you know, and while we're on, so, you know, and, and then of course there's, there's, you know, there's us here at, uh, at 5050 podcast, um, you know, we're, you know, we're only what about, I think five months in existence. And, uh, you know, so we've, you know, we're kind of the babies, babies in, in the arena, but, uh, as far as our, the, um, the independent, uh, independent organizations covering Texas high school soccer, but I think you're right. Um, uh, this was such an exciting season and I've commented to many people before, including yourselves and Harry, that uh, I don't think I've ever seen more coverage of Texas high school soccer than I have this year. Um, so it was, it was incredible. It was awesome. It was great to see. It was exciting. Uh, and I hit on the fact that just the mere fact that we were here, that we were able to play again and we got through it safely. Uh, we're grateful for that. You know, and, you know, to our, you know, to our communities, you know, again, going back to their response, you know, Dripping Springs, San Antonio Lee, some of the other, some of the other communities, um, their booster clubs, they got, you know, they, they put money together and sponsored, you know, their, their students that, you know, their students that wanted to go to a game because again, UIL was charging, in case you didn't know, they were charging $20 per game to go to these state championship games. And there was some, and that was, that, that was a student, it was a flat rate. So it didn't matter if you were a two-year-old toddler, if you were a student, if you were, I guess, apparently, I guess if you were a senior, you know, if you were a senior, senior citizen, didn't matter. And no coach, it didn't matter if you were a coach, it was $20 per game. If you wanted to watch all six games, you had to clear after every one, after every single game, and then you had to go back in and pay again. So why I hit on that, it's not to beat a dead horse, but to also thank and congratulate our booster clubs and our communities for in uh, here in the Texas high school soccer community that rallied, that came together and try to get things done for their communities, try to get as many students there to go watch, you know, to go cheer on their classmates and go cheer on an opportunity to go, go in a high school state title game. Um, and some of the tweets that we've sent out as well, as far as the relevance, the importance of high school soccer and why it matters. Uh, you're seeing teams right after they win a state title match go absolutely nuts. And there's, and they want to celebrate with their communities. They want to celebrate with the fans in the stands, or you see the, uh, 
even in the small towns, right? Whether it's Dripping Springs, Bernie, San Antonio Lee, as they're leaving, uh, kind of getting the police escorts with like hundreds and hundreds of fans waving them, you know, sending them off. Um, it's really awesome to watch. It's really awesome to see. Yeah, I think uh, I think even like Diamond Hill Jarvis, I think they. Uh, one of the school district board members give them a nice, like steak dinner, the send off, yeah. you know, you know, those little, like I said, those little things are, you know, really help programs out. And I'm hoping like some people are, are watching this, you know, if you're a parent or you're, or love the sport, whether your kids go to, you know, if you're in, you're, if that's the school in your area, go support them, you know, go, you know, help grow the programs, but really help grow the sport. I think that's the bottom line is helping grow the sport here in the state. You know, I had fun times listening to the, to the, the, the lead drum line at the games. That's, that's new too. Now mm -hmm. we having, uh, you know, the next thing we need is like, uh, hopefully maybe they're watching. I know when I was a coach, uh, I wanted to start my own supporter group, have a group of my students say, you're going to be here on the stands. You're going to be cheering us and chatting, playing your drums and all that, cheering us on for all 80 minutes. And, you know, you know, that'll be the new club, you know, the new club, the supporter club there for, for cheers on the soccer game. So, you know, those are just ideas like I said that a lot of these schools can do and get student involvement. Cause I know after, you know, the, you know, with the virtual learning and this and that, hopefully now we're, they'll be going back to some type of normalcy. Now this is the opportunity to, to bring everything hold and, and really get that support, you know, out there at those games. Right. Yeah. I thought, you know, when you said that, I thought you were going to say Vuvuzela's there for a second. I was like, no, yeah, no, dude. no, no, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> no. Um, and, uh, Alex, actually, yeah. I was at the Valley View game there, right? the, the little, the little things that spin around like that. <laughs> oh, and noise I had, had this one lady yeah. playing the drums and we just need someone with the smoke bombs and all that. So like the ones that do it like in the war yeah. in, in Argentina. That and the cowbell, that and the cowbell. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, great stuff. Great stuff. I think that, um, you know, um, yeah. And I think, so getting that word out, all these things that we're hitting on is like coaches. It's, it starts with us in our community. If you have every coach making a push for this, you know, within their program, within their school, with their athletic coordinator, with their faculty, with their fellow coaches, you know, talk to your parents. It starts there, you know, it starts at home. It starts, you know, as getting more support at your games um the uh you know and then you know what what we also took from this pandemic was now this newfound ability to to stream to have access to live mm -hmm. streaming right um so which was awesome in itself especially when you're trying to cover the sport such as we are and you you can't be you can't be in all across the state all at the same time so um so yeah i think a lot of great stuff there but coaches it starts it starts with you all, you know, it starts, the commitment there is because, you know, if we're not, if we're not willing to promote our sport, if we're not willing to advocate for our sport, if we're not willing to advocate for our programs within our communities, no one else is, you know, and, uh, and kudos to so many high school soccer coaches that do across the state of Texas. So many that really, they put in so much work and kudos to the families of those coaches who also <laughs> sacrifice a lot. Uh, who sacrifice a ton. So um, the uh, um, coach, you got any, uh, as we start getting ready to transition here, um, any you got kind of many, maybe any final thoughts that you wanted to hit on? Uh, I know we'll be, uh, I was going to mention a couple of things and kind of the future of uh, maybe future 
future podcasts of the uh, this mm -hmm. Inside Texas High School Soccer edition. But any any thoughts? Um, just thoughts is like, um, like I said, what a great season. I mean, I, it was probably one of the most fun seasons I've been. Like I said, you know, I know I had fun when I was coaching, but you know, not coaching anymore. You know, in the high school, but doing this, doing the coverage doing the live feeds, the live streamings and doing the podcast with you and also with the round table, you know, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a great, you know, just looking at all the people that are you know, on Twitter, all, just asking questions about, you know, about the sport or just, just the amount of pe people being involved is it's, it's exciting. I'm hoping for that. It's, it carries on and going into the next year. I know like I say, hey, starting Monday, it's a new season and you're working to that season to get to that, you know, to that state championship game. And, you know, to all the coaches out there, all the players, you know, you know, put in the hard work, you know, don't, don't quit, keep on, you know, you know, take that next step, you know, you know, what look deep inside yourself. So what can you, you know, what are you willing to do? That, what can you sacrifice to take your program to that next level or you as a part to that next level? So, like I said, that's what I'm looking for like this for the 2022 season. You know, who's going to be the contenders, the surprises again? Like, who's going to be our Diamond Hill Jarvis or Kai Allens? They're out there. You know, you know, we're probably going to, you know, see maybe one or two like that next year. Or we'll probably also see the usual suspects like Lee and Wakeland. So, so I'm looking forward to that. And like I said, it's an honor, you know, talking with you also too, you know, talking about this sport, one of the sports I really love. Not only, like I said, I have local, you know, all my local teams, my pro teams, but like I said, I do love watching the sport, whether it's through high school or to the pros. It's, like I said, it just runs in your blood, and, and I, I look look forward to, Absolutely. you know, for the future. Yeah, no, that's well said. Absolutely. I think um, so, you know, uh, Harry, uh, so co-host along with uh, Coach Dafa, yeah. Harry, who you can find him. Uh, at R-A-M-I-N-C-O-L on Twitter. They're at short for at Ram in Colorado. That's, uh, again, at R-A-M-I-N-C-O-L. He does a lot of great work, obviously, especially in the the lower level uh, professional leagues, um, United, United Soccer FC. Is that right? Yeah, he was actually podcast. today. He was and, at the, uh, but, the Hornets and Athenians game today. Yeah, yeah, he was doing that. That's yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I remember I, I questioned him about a photo, <laughs> but uh, um, the uh, no, he's you know he's done tremendous work in helping us behind the scenes as well a lot. And I know he's really new to the uh, the high school game, the coverage of the high school game, but he knows his stuff when it comes to the game. Um, but he said something really that resonated with me. He talked about how one thing that he's learned this year is how much the coverage of uh, of texas high school soccer is growing you know he talked about obviously with what you all have already been doing which is how i met you all back in my san antonio days going back about what four years now um mm -hmm. with you know, san antonio soccer roundtable but also you know us with the 50 50 podcast uh you know nate over at the striker what the strikers doing you know the striker texas is starting to do their obviously they're, they're more of a focus of a heavier emphasis on the uh, on the pro game, but uh, they're still providing you know great coverage when they do at the at the high school level. 
you know, lethal enforcer. You talk about Mr. Bowtie. So it's growing. I think I think San Antonio is going to kind of be spoiled with the amount of coverage they're going to have that they already have, I should say. Um, and then, you know, for those for our newer listeners, those that don't know, I've mentioned it before, but I still continue to get asked. So this is why I mention it. So uh, myself and the 5050 podcast, we will be moving to the uh, San Antonio area uh, in the next couple of months. Uh, we'll be I, I call it the hill country we will be on the, uh, the front porch of the hill country is what I call it. Uh, that's where we'll be. Love the hill country area. Um, so looking forward to that. Uh, Looking forward to obviously continuing to grow the game out here in what can often be just forgotten about out here in El Paso, which has extremely high quality level of soccer. Uh, and, you know, this is, you know, my hometown and uh, I, I've been I loved covering it out here. Uh, great, great people, uh, great soccer, uh, great fans, you name it. So continuing to cover it out here as well, working uh, and working with you all, collaborating with you guys. I'm looking forward to that. This year has been great um, being, at, you know, enable, being able to put this four-part series together with you inside Texas high school soccer during the uh, state playoff run uh, has been great as well. Um, I was going to follow up my, I guess, your comment that Harry had with, uh, you know, or what are your thoughts? What have you learned? You know, he talked about how the, He's learned this year that the co coverage of Texas high school soccer, how much it's growing. Uh, but, you know, what did when it comes to that, what did you is there anything really that you think you learned this year that maybe was an eye opener for you? I think the, the eye opening was just how the level of talents changed and then how more. I'm seeing more of an investment also too. I think back then, you know, when I coached, you know, you had your usual not, no knock on off. Like they just hired somebody just to coach the sport. I was just soccer. Who cares? I think now schools are starting to invest in these programs. And I'm happy to see that, you know, and I know, I know from the school that I went to, we didn't have the biggest support. You know, we didn't have the support of our administrators. They're really not. They, they don't like the fact that we were winning <laughs> more, more than the football team or that we had more people trying. That's the thing. We had more more players trying out for soccer. We used, uh, back in the day when I was coaching, we used to have 150 kids try out for soccer. <clears throat> that was more than the, than that than all three teams on the football team at my, at my alma mater. So, you know, when you do something like that, you're doing something great. And, and now, but nowadays, you know, that was frowned upon. And, but now I'm seeing like the ministers, like, I'm, you know, when you look at pictures, like I see how the Lee administrators, you know, from their side, you know, the principals has their back mm -hmm. and the, the school districts have their back, you know, it just brought like that community, that feeling like a family together. And that's what I do see on that. But the thing is the investment now we're, they're starting to invest in, in our program. We're just not, uh, it's just another program or whatever. Like some of the, this is not like except I know Texas high school football is king, but you know we're creeping up on them, and we're like I said, the invested. You know, a lot of these teams, you know, are investing on these programs, and like I said, I mean, for look at look at Wakeland. I mean, look what they've done. You know, to for a boys team to make a state turn state finals four years in a row, that's unheard of. You know, that's 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 where you want to get your program to. And but but the reason why they're because they invested in it and they believe in it, 
And that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing more in belief. You know, even here, like SISD, I saw like some of the teams in the SISD, they're starting to gain more belief. They're starting to gain more. They're getting a lot better, you know, more support. So that's that's what I'll hope, you know, because for me, hopefully that's going to break through for everybody. And I think that's the eye-opening thing that I'm seeing is, is the investment into the programs. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I think, Wells, the sport, <coughs> excuse me, the sport has come so far. We still have a long way to go in terms of consistency and, you know, the level of play and commitment level, <clears throat> excuse me, commitment level across the board, whether it be from communities, administrators on down to coaches, because um, that's where it starts again. It starts at home. But, uh, you know, my thing, you know, you hit on a keyword there in community. And I think that one of the things that I just really wanted to highlight when we look back on this season, because I know coming into it, like with, you know, with my my program here, you know, in uh, in El Paso, East Leta High School, I I got to do March thirteenth of twenty twenty was the last time I saw them, and I didn't see them again until December first of twenty twenty. And yeah, we had virtual workouts the best that we could do, but you you know how that goes, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. But on December first, when we when we finally got to it, I was just kind of like. Oof, what is this going to look like? Because out here, you know, at one time out here in El Paso, you know, the we were like, you know, dare I say the epicenter in the entire country, right? It was that bad here. Um, so the fact that we even got to start the season out here, um, but then, you know, we had, we had to get very creative with our workouts, you know, the social distancing, the masks, the no locker rooms, like we weren't in a locker room at all this year. The entire year no no school was out here in el paso um so when i looked back on it i was just like man i just hope we can make it to the start of the season and you know the weekly testing obviously we're in a you know we're in a pandemic uh everyone was still virtual so they were just showing up for practice and then going back home for for virtual classes um we weren't able to get in a weight room the way we uh, would have liked to um so all kinds of things were just you know, a whole new set of protocols and parameters. Um, but yes, the pen. So despite the pandemic, and then we had across the state of Texas, we had so many families that were impacted by a big winter storm, right? Um, and they were impacted in so many different ways. Uh, so our hearts go out to them just, and our hearts go out to many families across the state that lost uh, loved ones or friends due to the pandemic as well. Um, and in spite of all of that, you know, we came together as a high school, you know, as a community at large. And so I think the winner here in the end is, especially in a year like this, is Texas high school soccer. Uh, the From the coverage, the growing, the interest level, the amount of fans, the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the, we talk about the interaction with, you know, seeing booster clubs, seeing uh, so many different communities step up and help their help their programs, help their communities. And uh, it's just, it, was, it was so great to watch the, the, boo the boosters or the supporters of not just particular programs, but just Texas high school soccer that were at games, giving us the live updates, right, on, on certain games and uh, breaking, breaking information, seeing the coverage growing by the independent, you know, the independent organizations that we've mentioned here today, uh, you know, us being involved in it here. Um, 
and you're seeing it, you know, Nate down in the Valley, you talk about lethal out in Houston, you all, <clears throat> you all there in San Antonio, um, us out here soon to be going that, you know, that direction as well. Um, and continuing it to grow, right? Continuing that demand, continuing to want better, not just more, but better, right? Uh, so yeah, uh, so I think in the end, like I said, the winner is Texas High School Soccer, and uh, it's just been, it's been a privilege. It's been, you know, absolutely, it's been fun to cover it this year, it really has. And uh, to all our supporters, um, you know, thank you, thank you so much. You've helped us grow. You know, we're still growing. We're growing steadily. But, you know, in terms of our podcast, you know, our podcast, which you can find, um, we're being listened to in nine countries. That's something I would I thought I would <laughs> I didn't never expect. It. But uh, but, you know, um, so again, to our communities uh, across the state, uh, to our, you know, our parents, our student athletes, you know, our families, you know, our extended families of those student athletes, our administrators our athletic coordinators and our coaches, right? Our coaches, uh, thank you. Thank you for a lot of the hard, you know, so much hard work, so much sacrificing, so many changes that you had to, you know, adjust to this year. Uh, so it's been fun. It's been great. Uh, so can't thank you enough. Uh, so be on the lookout. We will have uh, down the road. I know we'll transition. We start to transition here towards the summer, uh, but I'll try to see if, uh, Coach Rafa is up to it. We can get together and put uh, put together a couple of a uh, couple of these shows in the next coming months, maybe with different angles. Maybe mm -hmm. see if we can take uh, take some take some input from uh, from supporters, from coaches, uh, from from fans, uh, from student athletes. So uh, continue continue to support us. We're grateful every day. You all are the reason why we do it, and in an effort to grow this game. So thank you so much. Uh, can't thank you enough uh coach Rafa this has been awesome thank you uh thank you for doing this with us uh it's been it's been absolutely fun uh again congratulations to all our both our our runner-ups our our state semifinalists, our runner-ups and of course our our six state champions today so thank you again for everything and until the next time keep downloading and keep listening You've been listening to the 5050 podcast presented by Physical Athletics. Help us continue to grow by liking, rating, and subscribing on all major podcast platforms. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 50 underscore 50 pod and at Coach H. Cano, as well as on Instagram at 50 underscore 50 podcast. Until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening.